The Tar Heels are about to embark on a stretch potentially unlike anything they've ever done before. Oh, and by the way, it will most likely be the defining stretch of the season. No pressure. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you, especially you everydayers, for joining us today to get your best Tar Heels content every single day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. By the way, if you'd like to be someone who's more, even more engaged than just listening to the show or chatting with us on the YouTube premiere, you can come join our Discord where we're talking about Carolina stuff and anything else under the sun all day long. We just started it a couple weeks ago and we're like, as of this recording, I think at 98 people in there. It's awesome and it's growing. It's healthy. It's not negative. I'm serious. You would love to come be a part of it. Check in on it right now. Speaking of which, coming up on the show today, we're going to check in on how Carolina, uh, the Tar Heels, are doing on the test that Coach Davis gave them preseason. Um, We're going to look at a potentially bad sign from one of Carolina basketball's recruiting targets and an early look at some transfer portal movement for Carolina football. Uh, Before we get to any other content, though, it has been far too long since we've had Trivia Tuesday, and it's time to bring it back. I love trivia. I love stats. I love research. And so it's like it just needs to be part of every Tuesday. So here we go. You know that tonight actually starts the ACC-SEC Challenge, the thing that has replaced the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Tar Heels playing it tomorrow, Wednesday. So my trivia question then is going to relate to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Here it is. In the 24 years, yeah, was it crazy that it was that long? In the 24 years of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which five teams had the most wins? And they can be teams from either conference. All right? So uh, we'll get to the end. You can be mulling it over. We're going to get to the answer at the end of the show. So you got to stick around and hear that answer. All right, let's dive into this, what I called the potentially defining stretch of the season and Carolina potentially embarking on something they've never done before. And I'm dead serious about that. It's going to start with Tennessee. Uh, Actually, it technically started with Arkansas on Friday, but this uh, next part of the stretch starts with Tennessee tomorrow, which by the way, if you're going to be at the game, it is a whiteout. Make sure you're wearing white. They're not providing shirts. You got to bring your own. So just there you go. Okay. On Monday, the new AP poll came out. And what it revealed to us is that uh, as of these rankings, four of Carolina's next five opponents and all four of their non-con uh, opponents coming up, non-conference opponents, are all currently ranked. It's Tennessee, 10th. Carolina gets them at home tomorrow. UConn on a neutral court at Madison Square Garden. They're fourth in the nation. That game is on uh, next Tuesday, a week a week from today, actually. Um, and then Kentucky on the neutral court. That'll be down in Atlanta. They're currently ranked 12th. 
And then Oklahoma just jumped into the poll. They're undefeated right now. They are 25th. That's also on a neutral. That's Jumpman Invitational. So obviously you've got Florida State wedged in between Tennessee and UConn. Um, But as I tweeted out on Monday, four of Carolina's next five games are against ranked opponents. And all four of their next non-conference games are against ranked opponents. And if you look back to last week, Arkansas was also ranked. Villanova wasn't at the time. Remember, they had just taken that loss recently um, to Penn. They're ranked now, but they weren't when Carolina played them. So at the time of playing them, if the rankings hold, Carolina will play five ranked teams in a stretch of six games. Being the glutton for punishment that I am, I was like, I'm going to go research this and see when the last time this happened was. Now, the AP poll started in 1948-49. The reason that's important is because going that far back, This has never happened in the regular season. I'm going to go back one more time and double check my research. I'm going to check in with Steve Kirshner, who's Carolina Sports Information Director for the basketball team, just to make sure I'm not missing something or didn't overlook it. But as to my research, and I'm as thorough as I can be, Carolina has never in the regular season existence of the AP poll played played five ranked teams in a span of six games. Can you wrap your brain around that? This is something that in Carolina's long and storied history has never happened. And it's just all schedule quirks and AP poll quirks and whatever, but still that's wild. And that's part of why I think it's the defining point of the season. By the way, thinking about where those teams are ranked that Carolina is playing, I know we're all going to start kind of getting ahead on thinking about quads and quad one games, quad two games. The net rankings aren't out yet. It'll be a little bit, but Um, quad one at home is teams ranked one through 30. So that would apply to Tennessee and then quad one on a neutral court, which would be, um, you know, even going back to Villanova, Villanova, Arkansas, Yukon, Kentucky, and Oklahoma, those teams just have to be top 50 on a neutral court. So all of these could be quad one games. That's great. Cause as you remember, there won't be as many of them in ACC play. So Carolina including Villanova, who wasn't ranked at the time, but again is now. And we don't know if the upcoming opponents will all stay ranked by the time we get to them. But it means that over the course of the next of of a seven game span, Carolina will play six top 25 level teams. That is insane to me. So what I want to look at is not only, okay, this upcoming four game non-conference stretch is crazy, but I want to look at what Carolina needs to do in it to put themselves in good position from a resume standpoint, to put themselves in a good position where you don't have to feel like you got to go like 18 and two in ACC play. Although again, you'd love that. So the possibility is obviously anything from four and out all the way down to zero and four, what would it mean for the Tar Heels four and oh in these games? That would mean beating Tennessee at home, UConn in Madison square garden, Kentucky in Atlanta and Oklahoma in Charlotte. That to me is a dream. You combine that with what you did against Arkansas and Villanova, where you went one and one, and you've gone five and one in the toughest stretch of your entire schedule, not just non-con, but conference games included. That would be a dream to go four and zero in these next four non-con games. That that resume would be pristine and would carry a lot of weight and would, you know it doesn't make what you have to do in ACC play so difficult. Think about like getting into college. If your GPA is higher, your 
ACT or SEC doesn't have to be as high. Or if you got a really high ACT or SAT, your GPA doesn't have to be. It's it's that kind of thing. So four and zero in this stretch, dream. Three and one. I would I would love that. Honestly, that is better than expected. You got work left to do if you go three and one in these games. Um, but at that point, you're you're still in great shape. And overall, in this six game ridiculous stretch of non conference games. And, and again, we're, I'm just ignoring Florida State in there because that's an ACC game. I'm just talking about these non-conference games. Like four and two in that stretch is phenomenal. It's great. Now, keep on going down. Two and two, going two and two in these games, that to me is the minimum that you have to do to feel like you're in good shape for season-long success, that you're in good shape from a resume standpoint. It's kind of steady, Eddie, if you go two and two. Um, and it's starting to war. What it would mean though, is it would be starting to point toward the likelihood of definitely something outside of a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. I think you're on good footing to still make the tournament at that point, but you're not talking about having a seed that's one through four. That's just where we'd be with that. Um, particularly if one of those two losses would be to Oklahoma, right? If the, if you lose to say, UConn and Tennessee or UConn and Kentucky. That's a little bit better, but you know, it's all about who you lose to and how many, all of that stuff. Uh, okay. Let's look at the really, really negative side of things. If you go one and three in this four game stretch, eek, you know, you're pulling on your collar, the, the, it's starting to get warm. You're feeling like you got to go and do a lot of work in ACC play. Um, and uh, similarly, particularly if that one win is Oklahoma and then you've lost to Tennessee, UConn, and Kentucky. Um, it's just like you didn't really get a marquee win in it. You didn't lose to anybody bad, but you didn't get a marquee win. Um, and then 0-4, if you lose all four of these games, at that point, I just say buckle up. It's about to get bumpy for you. Now, in terms of like Ken Palm goes ahead and projects all these games. And so for the Tar Heels, for these games, Ken Palm actually projects Carolina to beat Tennessee, favored by two, Lose to UConn, uh, UConn favored by three, beat Kentucky favored by two, and beat Oklahoma favored by four. So it's a four game, you know, nothing more than a four point projection on any of these four games. So it's going to be tight. You got to come ready to play with it. Now, in terms of what I think Carolina actually will do, like we were just talking about what they need to do. I want to talk about what I think they actually will do. As I sit here right now, and I said this in our Discord chat uh, yesterday on Monday. We we're actually talking through what everyone thinks the scenarios will be. It was a great chat. Love it. I think Carolina will go win, loss, win, win, meaning beat Tennessee at home uh, tomorrow. That that would be massive win. By the way, our full uh, preview for that game on tomorrow's show with Coach Pat Kilby. Um, I'm going to say lose to UConn. In Madison Square Garden, it's up in their neck of the woods. UConn is playing phenomenal basketball, even without uber freshman Stefan Castle. Uh, they just look really, really good right now. Not that Carolina can't win. I'm just saying the likeliest thing. And then I'm going to say beat Kentucky in Atlanta. Kentucky and Carolina fan bases will both show up big for that game. I'm super excited for it. Um, and then I'm also going to say beat Oklahoma in Charlotte. They got to travel across the country. Tar Heels not traveling very far, going to have a great turnout for it. And so I'm going to say three and one with the loss to UConn. And if the Tar Heels do that, obviously, again, the dream is four and oh, 
I would be more than happy with three and one in that stretch. You think about what's happened the past couple of years. You think about that. You got the Arkansas win, um, all of that three and one, I think would be great. And again, by the way, you need this kind of gauntlet right now in the non-con because the ACC just isn't delivering that in terms of quad one opportunities. And so you, you really need these games in non-conference play and you need to do well in them. So again, I say no pressure but there's a ton of pressure for the Tar Heels. Now, earlier uh, in the preseason, we learned that Coach Davis had given the guys a test that they had to pass, about five things he wanted to see for the program, four offensive principles he was looking for this year, and four defensive principles this year. How's the team doing with that? Have they passed the test? We're going to check in on it in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Perhaps you've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on that action than right now. The app is so easy to use. they got all these betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. They've even got things right now like... Um, over-unders for con- number of conference wins for basketball teams. So Carolina's ACC wins over and under is set at 13 and a half. I think they're going to blow by that personally, so I would be smashing the over on that. If you want to get in on that action, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. Hey, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's critically important for the success of your business to have a pool of quality candidates to interview. Thankfully, LinkedIn Jobs makes it super easy to find those people. Why? It's not just another job board. LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, making it easy, easily the best place to hire, which is why uh, why you can do that, because you've got these many candidates. So, so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate in 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Like for me, I do everything for this podcast. I prep the notes. I, I record it, I edit it, I post it, produce it, all of that just by myself. And so I, you know, I'm wearing a ton of hats. This would be a great option for me. Thankfully with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making it even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Oh man, second segment. That means we need a sip of water. I am parched. Oh yeah, that's good stuff right there. Okay, Coach Davis gave this test to the team that they had to pass. I want to check in on how they're doing specifically with the offensive sides of it. I'll give you the defensive ones. We're not going to grade those today. Just want to look at the offensive side. The four key defensive principles were be great guarding the ball. Number two, box out and be the top team in the country in defensive rebound percentage. Number three, trust and talk and be good communicators. And number four, protect that paint. It's like, we must protect this house. Okay. 
Let's look, though, at the four offensive principles and how Carolina is doing there. The number one thing was be a running team. Coach Davis wants the team to get out and go and be quicker. On Ken Palm, you can look at adjusted tempo. It's always fluctuating wildly. Like I, I looked uh, about an hour before recording the podcast as I was getting my notes together. And at that point, Carolina was 68th. Let's see if that's still true. It is still true right now. But like over the weekend, they were in the 40s. So that number is kind of wildly fluctuating right now. In recent years, to give you some context, the Tar Heels last year finished 99th in this metric. And in Coach Davis's first year, finished 39th. So Carolina is a good bit above that 39th right now, but a good bit almost equally below uh, that, um, uh, excuse me, the 39th from, I'm sorry, right in between the 39th of Coach Davis's first year and the 99th of last year. You compare that to the Roy Williams era, and Carolina was a good deal faster. Um, most of those years, they're in the teens or even in the single digits. His last couple years, they slowed down. 43 his last year, 67th his next to last year. Um, but so much prior to that, 16, 18, 12, all of those numbers. So um, are, are they running faster than last year? Yes. Are they running as comparison to Coach Williams' teams? No. <laughs> So I say jury is still out on this. Let's let's look at it not just from that adjusted tempo standpoint, but also from a standpoint of just pure and simple fast break points um, through six games, because that's all the all the sample size we have right now. I'm just gonna I've looked at the numbers of fast break points in the first six games of each of the three years of the Coach Davis era. This year, <clears throat> the most they've had so far is 17. The low is six. The average is 10.8. Last year, the average was 10.2 uh, through six games. And Coach Davis's first year, it was exactly 10. <laughs> I'll say two things here. So this is the highest average of fast break points per game of the Coach Davis era through six games. Now, it's all within one point, 10, 10.2, 10.8, but it is steadily growing. The other thing about this year, as compared to the first two years of Coach Davis's era, is the, the, uh, the range is smaller. For example, last year in the first six games, Carolina, I'm going to give it in, not in game order, but lowest to most two, four, four. So wild on one end, low 14, 18, 19, much higher. So it was this wide spectrum this year. It, the lowest is six, the highest is 17. So the average is higher, but it's all been uh, a pretty similar range. So you like to see that they're getting consistency of the number of fast break points. That's telling to me as well. So while the uh, adjusted tempo number isn't wildly higher, there, there is growth in terms of fast break points per game. And I don't know about you, but the eye test is telling me that Carolina is going faster. Are you catching that? Are you seeing that? I certainly am. Um, and so we'll continue to evaluate the numbers and see how they shake out. Number two on the offensive principle coach wanted to see was attack and dominate the offensive glass. Just say this right out of the gate. Uh, as compared to the coach Williams era, not even close, not even remotely close. Coach uh, Davis or coach Williams last year, Carolina's offensive rebounding percentage was 40.8. That was first in the nation. Since then, it's not been close. Coach Davis's first year, 31.9% was the offensive rebounding percentage. Last year, it was 304 
So that's almost that's like a ten full percentage points down from Coach Williams last year. That was 119th in the country. Right now, it's the highest number of the Coach Davis era by m- several percentage points. They're at 34.2, and that's good for 63rd in the country. So it's not touching Coach Williams' numbers. But keep in mind, this is because you got a different personnel grouping out there. You're playing with one traditional big rather than two. So you expect this number to come down. So in terms of attack and dominate the offensive glass, with respect to the Coach Davis era, they're doing that. So I would say they're passing this one with respect to the Coach Davis era. Obviously, we'll keep our eyes out on it. By the way, this is one of the stats I keep close tabs on. After every game, I have a sheet where I enter enter all the uh, rebounding data to get not only the total offensive rebounding percentage, but the field goal offensive rebounding percentage because the total includes numbers for free throws, and that's just not quite the same thing as as field goal only offensive rebounding percentage. So that's just part of the nuance that I look at. So for example, this year, the total offensive rebounding percentage is 34.2. The field goal only rebound offensive rebounding percentage is 35.7. So that's where you're at there. That's always going to be a tick higher. All right. Number three on coach Davis's offensive principles. He wanted to see be unselfish with passes and screens. Um, This is another one of those, you know, I'm always looking at how can we statistically quantify this? And then the eye test as well. Like it seems like the team to the eye test is sharing the ball unselfishly. Um, you've got and, and give taking what the defense gives them in this era of basketball. We're seeing more NBA style one on one ISO kind of stuff. But you've got so many willing passers on this team. Obviously, Elliot Cadeau, obviously, Harrison Ingram, RJ is dis- distributing the ball well and others, but chiefly those three guys. Um, looking back, it's the same kind of thing. Um, the, the Hubert Davis era teams have not held a candle to the coach Williams era teams in terms of assist percentage specifically, just simply how many field goals, what percentage of those field goals are assisted as opposed to, I just scored and no assist. Um, in the coach Davis era, the first year was the highest 54.1%. That was 87th in the nation last year. Dropped away down to 45.8%. That was 310th in the nation out of 363 total teams. This year, they're back up a little bit, not much, to 46.8%, 223rd in the nation. So uh, they're, they're growing from last year, but I would not give this an A. I'd probably give this a C right now. I want to see this number well above 50%. I want to see more sharing of the basketball. And then number four, uh, of coach Davis's test was dominate points in the paint. <clears throat> Looking at the coach Davis era, this is probably the one of the four where they're shining the most right now. Same kind of thing as um, we looked at with um, fast break points. Just want to look at the numbers through the first six games of the season of each of the years of coach Davis era. Uh, his first year through six games, Carolina's margin uh, as compared to the uh, Carolina's points in the paint as compared to the opponent points in the paint, the Tarles were negative 4.7 through six games. Last year, they were plus one, so some growth. This year, plus 9.3. Now, some of that is going to be, you know, the teams you play and their styles and their strengths and Carolina's strength. 
But, you know, I've taken the averages of all six games each of those three seasons, and you've seen a marked improvement in this. So to me, of the four, this is the one the Tar Heels are doing best. We'll keep our eyes on it as the competition gets infinitely stiffer in these games ahead. Well, uh, that's that's where we're at on the test. Now, sticking with Coach Davis, he has gone fishing in some very pristine recruiting waters for the class of 2025, putting out a ton of um, elite-level offers. Signs are pointing, though, to one of those targets being out on Carolina. How do I? How am I picking up on that? And the answer to our Tuesday trivia question, all that coming up in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Let's get another drink. Oh, man, the throat. Sometimes you just need it, you know? Testing my skills on prize picks this season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. It's this really simple way to play. You just make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Then they got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more or less on two to six players' stat projections. Then you just watch the winnings roll in. For example, Dak Prescott's passing yards for Thursday night football this week, it's set at 273 and a half against the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the more on that. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. And use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. Uh, Coach Davis has offered a multitude of the top, tip top elite players in the class of 25. We've been through it before on the show. Uh, if you want to know more, just hop in the Discord and we can talk about it in there. But one of those guys is Darren Peterson, who included Carolina in his top 16. You're feeling good about at least being there. Um, but we just learned in the in the last couple days that uh, he has signed an NIL deal with Adidas. And that, if you're not familiar with how all this goes, is a clear indication that he's going to go to a school that is sponsored by Adidas. Is Carolina sponsored by Adidas? No, they are not. They are sponsored by Jumpman, part of Nike, which is what we want. And so that is a clear sign that Darren Peterson is probably going to wind up at an Adidas school. Uh, Kansas wasn't in his final 16, but something like that, like Louisville is an Adidas school, for example. So uh, that's what we'll be watching on. Now, a reminder along with this. I, I just ask you to to uh, practice patience. Don't freak out. You're going, the Tarles are going to miss out on several, if not most of these high level offers they've gotten out there. Like I'm looking for the Tar Heels to get two, maybe three of them. That, that's all you're really looking for. So everything's good. Don't worry. Uh, but you'd love to get, get in on the game early. <laughs> okay. Now that the regular football season is over, uh, we're going to start hearing a lot about transfer portal stuff <clears throat> right out of the gate. Let me say this. The transfer portal is not officially even open yet. If I was a football player, I could not yet go into the transfer portal. It doesn't open until next Monday, the day after the championship uh, selections have been made. So on Sunday, we'll find out the CFP teams. We'll find out all the bowl matchups. 
And then on Monday, December 4th, the transfer portal actually opens. So right now, anything you hear about someone entering the transfer transfer portal just means that they are intending to, and that on Monday when it opens up, they will officially do so. I, I hope that makes sense. Um, but that doesn't mean guys can't announce their intent right now, and that's what you're hearing. So for Carolina, we already on Monday heard several things, even from the players themselves. Tight end Kamari Morales announced his intent to enter the portal. I get that. You hate it, but um, you've seen Bryson Nesbitt and John Copenhaver kind of pass him by. Kedrick Bingley-Jones, a D-lineman, and Jefferson Boaz, a quarterback, is just buried down on the depth chart. Um, guys that, as of this recording, I haven't seen anything official from them yet, but I'm hearing, you know, you're seeing stuff on social media, hearing other stuff. Running back Elijah Green, get that? You're stuck behind Omari on Hampton. What are we going to do? Um, and then D-lineman Dez Evans, which uh, I really hope he doesn't, but um, we'll see on that. So those are the guys we're hearing of so far. <laughs> we'll stay up to date with all that, especially like, as, as we learn if Drake is leaving or staying, which the presumption is he's leaving, what's Carolina going to do at quarterback? Is it going to be Connor Harrell or will they try to bring someone in in the transfer portal? That'll be a big talking point this offseason. All right, Tuesday trivia answer. I'm so excited to get trivia going again. In the 24 years of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which five teams in either conference had the most wins? I'm going to run it up for you from five up to one. And by the way, Carolina is not on this list. They are 11 and 13 all time, uh, or were 11 and 13 all time, just missing out. Now remember, so much of this is like the elite team is faced against the elite team and on down the list. So sometimes a lower level team actually gets better chances of winning more consistently. Also, as I give you this list, it's four ACC schools and one Big Ten school. So tied for fourth place, teams four and five are Clemson, wouldn't expect that, huh? And Purdue, the lone Big Ten team who both had 13 wins in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Also, I should say, don't, don't choose any of the incoming Big East schools from several years ago. They haven't been around long enough. Next, tied for second on the list are Wake Forest, did not expect that, and Virginia, who both have 14 wins. And the number one team on this list, blowing everyone else out of the water, we won't name them, you know, that other team in Durham, but they got 20 wins. Wow. Unreal stuff there. So there's your Tuesday trivia question. Great to be doing that again. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining us, especially you everydayers. If you are a guest and you're tuning in, we're so glad that you're here. Come on in, be part of this community as well. You can email the show at LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. If you have a, a lengthier question or, or something you want to talk about, but <clears throat> seriously, hop into the Discord. That's the best thing to do. The link is in the show notes. Please, 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 if you wouldn't mind, subscribe on uh, YouTube and audio. It helps us out so much. Same with smashing the like button. And we'd love to hear your comments on the show today. Also, uh, reviews like Apple reviews, that helps a ton as well. Would be honored if you would go and leave us a five-star review on why you love Locked on Tar Heels. All right, folks, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be back tomorrow previewing the Tennessee game. But until then... Peace.